Welcome back again on the next episode of Let's Open the Bible. It's Gavin and Russ with you. Hello. Hello, Gavin. Hello. That was, that was maybe your most tame, lame introduction ever. Wow. <laughs> Usually you've Come got a little, swinging. little twang to your voice or a little hitch in your giddy up or something going on. And you're like, hey, we're back. What's going what? on? What's up? <laughs> I'm just chill over here. We're mailing it in today, people. No, not true. Not true. Uh, not true. Well, listener, uh, we're going to pick up our conversation we started yesterday from Psalm 121. We made it to the first verse. Uh, we'll see if we can get through the second verse. We're going to drag this thing out for a year. Is that why you were over there banging your head off the desk the other day? Yeah. Yeah. That's the indentation in my forehead. <laughs> Uh, why don't I open us with prayer, and then you can read the passage. All right. Can you handle that? I will try. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love and grace. We thank you for today and, and for the technology, this medium that you've given us to be able to share the hope uh, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we get into your word today, Father, I just pray that um, that our words would be few, that your words would shine forth, and uh, that your Holy Spirit would intermingle um, transforming our hearts and minds, renewing us, Lord, according to your perfect will and, and your perfect eternal word. And so, Lord, we thank you and love you. And, Father, we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we are in the Songs of Ascent. Uh, this is Psalm 121. We'll start back in verse 1. These are a series of psalms that were sung as people would go to the uh, – three main festivals, the pilgrim festivals in Jerusalem. And, uh, and so they would sing these as they were ascending the hill of Jerusalem. Uh, I will lift my, up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. When you were talking about the songs of the ascent uh, and, and uh, the festivals and stuff, for some reason I was hearing this in Gregorian chant. That would be great. Can you do that? No, but I did one time. Uh, I was trying to get Psalm one twenty three, uh, or sorry, Psalm twenty three. Um, in uh, I was listening to it in the original language, and I, so I was playing it on my computer, and my wife came in, and it was, I mean Hebrew, but it sounded very middle, obviously Middle Eastern, and she walked in like, "What in the world are you doing?" And <laughs> at the risk of sounding crass, it was. I, I didn't. Ex I thought she might think I was making a bomb or something. It was very... That's funny. Yeah, it was very eerie. So... Asla Malaika. Yeah. Uh, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So okay, so let's take that pause again. Yeah. Like, do you want to go back and just... The, the, the last part of verse one. So from where does my help come from? Yeah, pause. And then you meditate on that. And then the psalmist says... I mean, just clearly, just to, to make absolutely certain we understand, my help comes from the Lord. Right. And I think my natural response is, can he hear me? Is he able? Does he not want to? And then you go, I mean, I think that's the, the necessity of the second part of that. Right. The second part of verse two is... He made the heaven and the earth. <laughs> I think he can handle your little problem. Right. Right? I mean, that's the whole point. It, I, I, how brilliant is the inspired psalmist? Of course, it's this is the mind of God. The wisdom of God. Yeah, it's the wisdom of God uh, written down. But my response is, you know, are you listening? Have you heard me? Do you care? Do you Are you able? And, th and then the next part comes in. He made heaven 
and he made earth. I think he can handle any little problem that you have. In fact, he ordained the position you're in right now. So, all right. Yeah, I think that that is the point, and I, th- I think that is uh, an important point to keep before us because so often, you know, when we're in the pinch, uh, when we're feeling it in the heat of the moment, it is easy to lose sight that we serve a, a, um, an all-knowing, all-powerful God who literally spoke into existence from nothing all that is. Yeah, ex nihilo, from nothing, mm-hmm. all that is. Yeah, and, and and interestingly enough, if you if you read people that are much more philosophically sound, theologically and philosophically, so just lovers of wisdom and wisdom is of God. So I would say, you know, they're they're much better theologians. Maybe that's the best way of wording it. They will tell you that there is nothing that hasn't already been ordained, right? So when was the Lamb slain? Well, before the foundation of the world. Well, how is that? Bo- because it, when in the mind of God, it's all happened, right? And, it, and by the way, it never even entered into the mind of man, of God as if it wasn't already there. God is. God is not in the state of becoming. He is not actualizing. He is not perfecting himself. God is. I am that I am. And he always was and always will be. So so we, we let's kind of slide that off into the, the category of right now too deep for us to understand. Right. That's that Paul saying, you know, in Ephesians that we are seated at the right hand. Yeah. You know? Wait a minute. That's yep. that's like perfect tense. You yeah, know, we're there now, and and you're looking around going, mm, I don't think so. Yeah. yeah, he's made his enemies a footstool. I thought the enemies are still active, but you don't. I mean, it's 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 already and not yet. And I know I'm taking that out of context in terms of the eschatological application of that, those words. But yeah, it, it, what God has deemed to be has already been deemed, and therefore it will be. All right, let's go. Let's let's get back to this. Um, he will not let your foot be moved. Did you just jump ahead? Oh, no. I mean. You went to the next verse. Oh, we didn't read it? No. Oh, let, let's Would read you it. Me, you, yeah, you read you, it. No, you've already butchered it. All right. I've already butchered it. <laughs> he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. All right. So why the first part? He will not let your foot be moved. So, uh, yeah, I recently heard a pastor preach on this, and one of the interesting things he talked about, because, you know, we slip and fall. Mm-hmm. If there's ice out on the ground, I can about assure you I'm going to find a way to the ground. You oh, know? I like watching uh, those videos. Could yeah. you tape that? Because I... Thank you. Have you ever seen the, 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 you know, the, a guy or a girl will fall, like kind of walking out to their car and it's all icy and they'll slip and fall, and then their spouse will run out to help them, and then and they, they slip and fall, yeah. and it's kind of, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, as I was saying, so we know that that it's not literal in the sense that we won't slip and fall. That's something this is about. Uh, and and so this idea that our foot won't be moved is from the pursuit of holiness, from the pursuit of God. It's a spiritual aspect that our foot will not be moved. He protects us. If you have been placed in the hand of God, He will yeah. not let anybody rip you out of His yeah. hand. Right. right. Yeah. Right. You're not. You're not going to be stolen away or, or slip and fall away. God will keep you. You're sealed. Perfect. Great. By the Holy Spirit. Yes. Absolutely. Um, but the other thing is, I don't think you understand the weight of this until you understand real. Until you're contemplating real suffering. We've all had suffering in our lives, but contemplate it. You know. So, the the very first line after a song of ascent is, 
I, I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? That implies that you need help. And then to say that you won't slip and fall and be stolen away implies that it's pretty bad. That, that maybe, maybe the psalmist would wonder in, in and of his own power, am I going to be, am I going to make it? I feel like I can't hold on. I mean, this is that Psalm 73, that Psalm of Asaph, where he just says, you know, they they have been put on slippery slopes. They they will fall. In fact, he talks about almost slipping away from God. Right. And one will slip away from God because they never had a relationship with God. And Asaph will be will be kept in God. And then he says, you know, I desire you above everything on earth is kind of the culmination of Psalm 73. I see people prospering that hate you. I love you. I almost walked away because they're prospering and they hate you. And I love you and I'm suffering. And I almost walked away. And then he's like, nope, I got the better end of the deal. I get you. Mm-hmm. So anyways, but 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 till you get to the place where you go, man, in and of my own power, I would I would I'd be done. Yep. And then and then you say, the maker of heaven and earth, he's not going to let me go anywhere. That's right. He's going to hold on to me. And in him, I am more than a conqueror. And he never sleeps. He's never asleep. He never takes a vacation. You know, he doesn't let the podcast go unrecorded. Yeah. So, so um, you, you've kind of talked about feeling a little sluggish lately. And, and I, I actually, in my disciple, with one of the guys that I disciple, I was talking about feeling really, really sluggish on Monday. Um, and I had to read. And I went to a library to sit down and read. And I'm telling you, I, I just was struggling to keep my eyes open and, and then focus on what I was reading. And so I, I think all of us get this sense of um, fatigue and inability and unawareness and you know not up to par. That is not of God. Right. Not even close. Not only is he infinite, which we cannot comprehend, we cannot comprehend one who never, ever, ever gets tired in any way, shape, or form. He's never sluggish or unaware. Never been one second where he took his eyes off the sparrow. Right. Like that extended blink that, you know, when somebody's praying sometimes, we have this lengthy break, uh, blink, and then we realize... We kind of come to and we realize that prayer's over and we go, amen, yeah. you know, and we lift our head. Yeah, he doesn't do that. Have you ever fallen asleep praying? Yes. You, I mean, you praying. Not not corporately, no, but at I home, have. yes. I've, I've never told you about that? I, I think you did. Okay, yeah. If, so if I haven't said it on the podcast, I will. So if anybody hears me do this, I, I have been praying. Literally, I'm the one praying and everybody's listening to me and I've gone, and then the green purple tree and I can hear myself saying the green and purple tree, and I'll say, and all the beautiful colors of the rainbow that are on majestic display, you know, in the fall of of a uh, season or something like that. And I clean it up in my mind, but I'm like, you just fell asleep. That's bad. That is bad. That's really bad. Yeah, that that you you've trumped me. You you bigfooted me there. <laughs> you bigfooted me there because I've got a story I could tell, but you've already. I mean, you just went to a place I can't go. Oh, all right. Okay, <laughs> but no, I mean the idea here is is that not only uh, do we serve a God who doesn't allow us to be snatched from His hand, our foot will not be moved, but we're serving a God who we can have assurance in that because He never slumbers. It's not like He gets lazy and kind of dozes off and misses the enemy coming in and snatching His people out of His hand. He never slumbers. Right, and then you're going to add another element in the very next verse, which is because sometimes, it, um. 
I think we've oscillated back and forth between making God a God of the kingdom and God a God of the individual. And I I think probably now, at least in Baptist circles, God is a God of the individual. Very much a personal relationship with God, which is true. Yes. But we've done that to the exception of a corporate relationship with God and kingdom our, our call into the kingdom and and the fellowship of the saints, you know, I mean, I mean, so it's become a very individualistic. So, so when you when then you start talking about not only will God keep me from falling, but it says here, behold, he who keeps Israel right. will neither slumber nor sleep. That's right. And and uh, depending on your theology, um, the church now, uh, and and some people say the church has always been. Israel, right? Because there are people, there are Israelites that will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, and so believers, you know, kind of the, w- wouldn't be called the church in the Old Testament. But Israel, the true Israel, was always believers whose faith was counted unto them as righteousness, right? Abraham? Yeah. And then other people would say, no, that's not it at all. There's always a special place for Israel. Those would be dispensationalists, and it, it doesn't matter. However you want to break that down, and we can have those conversations at another time. However you want to break those down, God keeps his people. He knows how to preserve them. Yeah, I just noticed, too, it's interesting in verses 1 and 2, it's my. In verse 3, it's your. And then in verse 4, it's Israel, the whole, the totality. Really good. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting because because it it, it kind of goes back to what you were just saying that we've made God the the personal God, uh, and that's how this psalm actually starts. Well, he is, and then right, but then he pulls back to the corporate, you know, the national, and he is the God of the and, nation. And, and like I said, it, the, the best is when you hold those tensions. Not even tensions; they're they're just true. Yeah. Both of those things together. You know, uh, Jesus, who loved me and gave himself for me, is what Paul says in Galatians 2. Mm-hmm. He loved me and gave himself for me. And then he calls for himself a people, a royal priesthood. It, it is it is collective, and it is individual. It and it's, is, it's interesting because the collective and the individual are called, meaning set apart. Right. So we're set apart individually, and we're set apart corporately mm-hmm. as a local body, a remnant, and then we're set apart universally as the bride, right? Not universally as in everybody on so, earth. So, so how? And, and I, I would, I think now we're going to kind of switch categories, and I want to be cautious of this, um, because we're set apart from the world, we're set apart from sin, we're set apart to, toward and to holiness. So, but, but also there's a separation, and this is the change of categories part. There's a separation within the church in terms of members. Uh, having different gifts and talents right, and right. treasures to be used differently. Right. Not everybody's an eyeball, yes. right? But but again, I want to say what we've been talking about is separate. We we've been separated from the world. We've been separated from sin. You know, so when you're when you're justified, when what we most people call saved, when you're justified, you are separated from the penalty of sin. Well, when Peter's using the language a royal priesthood, a holy nation, those are set-apart ideas. Yeah, absolutely. But that, that's collectively corporate. Yes. Yep. All right. Um, where do you want to go now? Well, we're, we're probably at that mark where we can land the plane yeah, and finish the, uh, or continue this conversation in the next episode. Perfect. All right. So, listener, thanks for joining us today. We look forward to catching up and continuing on with you tomorrow. God bless.